What's happening, food eaters? This is Mel Weinstein, host of the Food Labels Revealed podcast and the self-professed prophet of processed foods. This is episode number 28. This is another show devoted to recent news stories popping up all over the internet. Today, I will showcase clean food, a new trend in the food industry just getting its feet wet. I'll explore the what's and why's of clean food, a term we'll be hearing lots about in the near future, particularly as regards the meat industry. Next, it's finally almost here, the long-promised revision to the Nutrition Facts label and the launching of the restaurant mandate. I'll be getting into the weeds concerning both of these topics later in the show. For newcomers to the podcast, here's some information about me. I have a 30-plus year background in chemistry education, food testing, and food chemical research. And for much of that time, I've had a fascination, some may call it a brain fixation, with processed foods, what's in those foods, and how they may be affecting our health. I look behind the commercial food curtain at all of those strange, hard to pronounce, and sometimes dangerous ingredients that wind up in many of the foods stocked on the shelves of our grocery stores. This is a 100% free, on-demand radio program. Just put that money back in your wallet. This podcast has no sponsors, financial supporters, or Kickstarter campaigns. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine, and to keep it that way, I don't want to work with any business, commercial product, or sponsoring organization. All I ask of you is to listen, and if you are informed, educated, or entertained by the content, please let others know through social media or the old-fashioned way, word of mouth. Website and contact information will be provided at the end of the show. Let's get this episode on the road. There is a term that's been rattling around the processed food industry for several years. Depending upon how closely you pay attention to what's happening in the world of food, you may or may not have heard this term. But if you Google it, you'll find countless articles written about it. The term is, or phrase, clean food. Now, I'm not talking about washing your vegetables or sterilizing your cutting board. Clean food is not so much a well-defined term as much as it is a trend or a feeling or an attitude, like fat replacement was in the 1990s. If you ate Snackwell cookies back then, you may have convinced yourself that you were loading your body with less fat, a pariah at that time, but in actuality, you were fooling yourself if you thought that you were eating much healthier foods. So... Let's try to pin down what is meant by clean food. Shelley Blanco of the Hartman Group, in an article, uh, which claims to be the foremost authority on consumers, culture, and trends and consultants to the food and beverage industries, said that, quote, Consumers are looking for less processed foods that intuitively retain the integrity of the original ingredients made simply and grown naturally without unnecessary chemicals, processing, or cooking stages. It's about products that look, 
feel and taste like they should. Things that are as close as possible to their original form, that haven't been shape-shifted, that have visible, whole ingredients. End quote. She said that terms such as authentic, real, simple, and fresh are often used interchangeably with clean. So the trend is not just about avoiding artificial ingredients like synthetic colors, preservatives, and unpronounceable food ingredients. Some foodies even extend the concept of clean foods to include non-GMOs, no pesticides, no herbicides, no allergens, and no anti antibiotics, and may even demand more specific definitions of things like natural flavors, that ubiquitous and pretty meaningless ingredient that shows up everywhere on food labels. All this supposedly is based on a growing concern of consumers about what is winding up in processed foods. I see that as a good sign. Of course, I've been talking about this stuff for two years. Some food companies are responding by reformulating their products to make them either appear healthier or actually improve their nutritional content. But just because there are clean labels beginning to show up on some products, uh, does that make them healthier? As quoted in an article in the Washington Post, Lisa Lefferts, a researcher for the Center for Science and the Public Interest, disagrees. She said, quote, First is the danger that the clean versions of foods that aren't any more healthful than their originals are nevertheless viewed as better for you. There is a large body of research on what consumers do with foods that have a health halo. They eat more of them. There is a concern that consumers will mistake a clean label for healthful and consume foods that are clean but not healthful, end quote. From the same article, quote, The push for clean labels leaves food purveyors caught between two constituencies. The, if I wanted a healthy snack, I would eat spinach contingent, is pushing for the foods they know and love, artificial flavors be damned, and the clean eaters are looking for foods that have been greenwashed of the artificial flavors but retain all the sugar, fat, and salt, that made them appealing in the first place. From a survey uh, from the International Food Information Council on buying habits, where they asked consumers whether they would choose a familiar product that had artificial ingredients or a version without them that didn't taste as good, responses were split almost 50-50. Sometimes clean labeling can backfire, Pillsbury, a division of General Mills, found that out the hard way when they decided to revamp their classic chocolate chip cookie dough. Their aim was to remove artificial flavors, colors, preservatives, and high fructose corn syrup. However, the new clean product got some very critical reviews, which you can read at the Pillsbury website. Here's a particular scathing one. Quote, I have been making Pillsbury chocolate chip cookies for 41 years. The new recipe is horrible, all in quotes, exclamation point. News flash, exclamation point, exclamation point. We don't eat chocolate cookies because they're healthy, exclamation point. We eat them because, or used to, taste good, 
exclamation point, exclamation point. Now they are dry. The middle doesn't stick together and the taste is bland. This has been my family tradition for decades, double exclamation points. How could you? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark. I hate you, Pillsbury, double exclamation points. Change it back and change it now, double exclamation points. Signed, Reap One. Here's Pillsbury's response. Hi, Reap One. Thank you for taking the time to share your feelings on the new cookie dough. Your feedback will be directed to the product development team. Now, that chocolate chip cookie lover was not mincing words. I looked at the new cookie ingredient list and compared it to the original. There were a few differences. The chocolate chips no longer had skim milk. There was more water and less oil. There were more eggs and the hydrogenated soybean oil, source of trans fat, had been removed along with sorghum oat flour, oat bran, artificial flavor, and gums like xanthan and algin. Note that the gums hold food products together. The new product had natural flavor. So the switch to those ingredients somehow turned the once scrumptious Pillsbury chocolate chip cookies into something repulsive for some consumers. Sometimes reformulation to produce a clean product works. From an article in Food Business News, quote, Pure Organic Solana Beach, California, a manufacturer of fruit and nut bars, believed being organic was not enough for its target consumer. Earlier this year, the company reformulated its bars to contain no more than eight recognizable kitchen cupboard ingredients, including dates, nuts, dried fruits, and nut butters. All tapioca syrup, agave nectar, and processed proteins were removed. Quote, the updated bars improved taste, better texture, and clean ingredients make mindful eating easy for everyone, end quote, said Veronica Bosgraf, the founder. Quote, consumers check ingredient lists to verify claims on product packaging, said Sharon Shitkasol, Associate Managing Manager at Ingredient Incorporated, Westchester, Illinois. Quote, ingredients gain acceptance when they are recognizable with names consumers can pronounce. But still, some natural ingredients that are unfamiliar or have scientific sounding names can face rejection. End quote. Ingredients consumer research showed 62% of U.S. and Canadian consumers claim to usually or always check the ingredients labels, while more than 78% said it is important to recognize ingredients. This increased from 66% in 2013. Uh, Here's an editorial comment from me. Those numbers sound pretty high based upon my own personal observations. Ingredient transparency has been part of the Hershey Company in Hershey, Pennsylvania since February 2015 when the company made a commitment to transition to simple ingredients. Today, Hershey offers products that deliver on this promise across its portfolio. By 2020, all Everyday Hershey's brand chocolate confection products will have simple ingredients. A special case of clean food 
one which you'll be hearing more about in a few years and may well dominate the future of the processed food industry is clean meat. If you haven't heard or read about this up-and-coming trend, you may want to look into it if you want to go beyond what I include in this episode. It's also called cultured meat, in vitro meat, or lab-grown meat. The basis of this type of food is the culturing of fast-growing animal stem cells in a proper medium so that the cells multiply and grow muscle tissue that can be processed to have the properties of animal products such, such as chicken, beef, pork, fish, and seafood, among others. Oddly, and this is really odd, Winston Churchill in 1931 made a very prescient statement about this possibility. Here's his quote. We shall escape the absurdity of growing whole chicken in order to eat the breast or wing by growing these parts separately under a suitable medium. End quote. Now, why is this stuff considered clean meat? To grow animals for food requires a huge chemical input. There are herbicides and pesticides in the animal feed, plus other contaminants. There's antibiotics and other medicines. The water they drink may be contaminated, or they may get contaminated in other ways. Think salmonella and chicken or mad cow disease. The slaughtering process may introduce chemicals, for example, chlorine in chicken processing, and so on and so on. Conversely, clean meat would be prepared under very controlled conditions. Here's some history behind clean meat. In 1998, John Vane filed and obtained a U.S. patent for the production of clean meat. In 2001, several doctors in Holland filed for a worldwide patent. As of 2012, there were 30 labs working on the production of clean meat. The first clean meat hamburger was publicly eaten in London in 2013, although it cost about $300,000 to produce and required two years. By 2017, the cost had dropped tremendously, so now the same hamburger cost only about 10 times that of conventional ground beef. In the United States, the leading company is Memphis Meats, a Silicon Valley startup created by the cardiologist Uma Valetti. It is estimated that over a period of two months, about 50,000 tons of meat could be produced from 10 pork muscle cells. Think about that. Of course, there are other benefits if clean meat gets accepted by the public. Namely, 1. Less destruction of the environment, since the livestock industry is one of the largest polluters in the world due to animal waste, carbon emissions, and excessive land and water usage. 2. The frequently horrible conditions that livestock are exposed to in feedlots and intensive poultry operations would be eliminated. And three, zoonotic diseases such as bird flu would probably disappear. So the food choices in the brave new world of the near future will be changing dramatically. And Jerry Lee Lewis, the indomitable bad boy of rock and roll, will, in his late 80s, have to change the lyrics to the Meat Man song. I got jaws like a bear trap, deep like a razor. I got a maytag tongue with a sensitive taste. I was born in Texas, a land of beef. I give me a deputy, let me go to heaven, I don't need a meat man. 
another was moving, wasn't it? The second news story focuses on the Food and Drug Administration's, that's the FDA, update for the Nutrition Facts label coming to all food containers and the requirement for restaurants to show calorie counts on their menus. Spurred by the rapid rise in obesity in the United States, that's 4 out of 10 adults are obese, the new labels are supposed to make it easier for consumers to evaluate the number of calories they are consuming. The revised restaurant menus are supposed to give patrons pause before ordering high-calorie meals. The food industry, needless to say, is not hip to these big changes and has been fighting them since their inception. The menu listings were supposed to go into effect by 2015, but several trade associations, including the America Pizza Community, I never knew there was such an organization, have pressured the FDA to delay the rule three times. The next rollout was supposed to be this spring, but additional delays are expected. The new Nutrition Facts label was also supposed to arrive this year, but it will not appear until either 2020 or 2021, with larger food companies having to meet the earlier deadline. I've noticed that some food companies are voluntarily providing the new labels now. Let's take a close look at the Nutrition Facts label. It seems that this feature of packaged foods has been around forever, but it was first mandated by the FDA only 19 years ago in 1990. Unfortunately, this being an audio podcast, I can't show you the old and new labels, but I'll try my best to describe the changes. First off, there are the serving sizes. In the past, food companies could decide for themselves what a serving size was. For example, a company like Kellogg's could say that a serving size of a sugary cereal like Fruit Loops was one cup, which, when you think about it, is a pretty small serving. How many kids would eat just a cup of cereal at a sitting? By purposely minimizing the serving sizes, the food company could downplay the number of empty calories in the ingredients, like sugar or corn syrup, since all the nutrition facts were based on the serving size. With the new label, food companies have to report a realistic serving size. For example, for a bottle of soda, the serving size will be changed from 8 ounces to 12 ounces. Then there are the number of servings. If someone buys a 20-ounce soda, there's a good chance they will down the whole soda and not split it up into two or more servings. So beverage companies will have to state on the bottle that 20 ounces is a single serving. For those products whose contents may be consumed in a single sitting or multiple sittings, food companies will have to provide two columns on the label to show the number of calories and nutrients for a single serving versus the consumption of the whole package or container. The government wants to get the attention of consumers for certain label listings. So the words for calorie count, servings per container, and serving size will be in bigger and bolded font. The word calorie will really pop out at you. With the old labels, there used to be a number for the calories from fat. That's going away. With nutritionists' new views about fat, the caloric aspect of fat is being downplayed. However, 
the label will continue to point out the amount of fat and how much of it is saturated or trans. This is a significant departure from the 1990s when excessive fat consumption was considered a real taboo. A new addition to the label is added sugars. Instead of just showing the grams of sugar in the product, the amounts of total sugars and added sugars will be listed separately. Also, a percent daily value for added sugar will be shown with a maximum of 10% as the desirable limit. The, uh, the definition of added sugars includes sugars that are either added during the processing of foods and include sugars from syrups and honey and sugars from concentrated fruit or vegetable juices that are in excess of what would be expected from the same volume of 100% fruit or vegetable juice of the same type. The definition excludes fruit or vegetable juice concentrates from 100% fruit juice that is sold to consumers. For example, frozen 100% fruit juice concentrate, as well as some sugars found in fruit and vegetable juices, jellies, jams, preserves, and fruit spreads. This change, following on the heels of the obesity epidemic, comes from the recommendations of expert groups such as the American Heart Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the Institute of Medicine, and the World Health Organization. There will be a few changes in the listing of vitamins and minerals. Vitamin A and vitamin C will get the boot. In the early 1990s, American diets lacked vitamins A and C, but now deficiencies in the general population are rare. However, Manufacturers are still able to list these vitamins voluntarily. The actual amounts of calcium, iron, potassium, and vitamin D will be listed in addition to the daily values due to greater emphasis on meeting dietary requirements for these nutrients. The listing of vitamin D and potassium are new requirements. The daily values for sodium, fiber, and vitamin D will be updated plus the actual definition of the daily value will have to be printed on the label, so consumers have a clue as to what that phrase means. For those new to the podcast, I explain the meaning and usage of daily values in episode number 27. The second up-and-coming FDA ruling has to do with restaurants. Any restaurant or retail food establishment with 20 or more locations must abide by the rules. Those restaurants will be required to disclose the number of calories contained in food choices listed on their menus or on menu boards. In self-serving restaurants like buffets, the calorie content must be shown in close proximity to the food item. Also, upon request, the business must provide written nutritional information for their standard menu items similar to what's found on Nutrition Facts labels. Also, there must be signs or placards posted in the restaurant stating that this information is available upon request and also some statement about the recommended daily calorie intake, often cited as 2,000 calories per day. I also talked about where that number came from, the 2000, uh, in episode number 27. Let's talk about the take-home messages for today's episode. 
The food industry is a-changing in response to consumer health concerns, which I take as a good sign. It's a sign that many food eaters are beginning to wake up a little, maybe a lot, uh, to the many non-food ingredients in processed foods and to demand that food manufacturers stop loading foods with synthetic chemicals, reduce the amount of processing that foods are subjected to, and to recognize that more and more people are wanting to eat more healthily. Yes, fast and convenient and cheap are nice, but not at the expense of our long-term health. The advent of clean foods may signal a step change in the food industry, and hopefully is a trend that will continue. I certainly think that the cultured meat industry as an addition to and possible substitute for the livestock industry and its many issues, will be a major segment of the food scene in five to ten years. Keep your eyes open for its emergence. Although it moves at a snail's pace, our federal government is looking out for us with the soon-to-be-released new Nutrition's Facts label. They are hoping that it will have a positive effect or impact on the growing obesity problem in the U.S., The hope is that people will start to pay more attention to serving sizes, calorie counts, and the amount of added sugar in processed foods. As stated earlier, over 60% of consumers supposedly read food labels. So, if that's really true, then maybe the new labels will have a strong impact on people's food choices. I think the new FDA mandate for restaurants will definitely have an impact because calorie counts will be in your face. Uh, For any consumer eating food off the menu or at a buffet of a major restaurant, fast food, or otherwise. No longer will restaurant goers be able to remain unconscious about the number of calories they are consuming. It will be interesting to see what happens once those new rules are rolled out. You've got mail, baby, yeah! It's time for Food Eater Mail, a new feature of the podcast. It's rare, and when it happens, it's quite a surprise. But I do sometimes get email from listeners, and I try to respond to all correspondence. A lady by the name of Sue Kay, that's just her last name's initial, said... Quote, thank you so much for your podcast. I am finding your series incredible with the clear, unbiased information. I educate children about living well, so this is helping in that area. But I am now shifting into adult education, as that is where our problems lie. I am part of a movement which is providing education and an alternative source of guaranteed clean food and products. I will be referring your podcast to others involved in this, end quote. I replied, quote, actually, I think the answer does lie in educating children about what's good and bad in the food system. Once they become adults, often their habits are set and unchangeable, and they are harder to convince otherwise. Keep up your interest in clean and healthful food. That will serve you for the rest of your life, end quote. Well, It's time to bring the show to a close. To all the food eaters out there in podcast land, I appreciate you taking the time to tune in. If you have a little more time, I'd greatly appreciate a review, good or bad or indifferent, at the iTunes store. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their show notes at the hosting website called Podbean. 
That's at www.podbean.com, www.podbean.com, or just by Googling Food Labels Revealed, which should show up on the first results page. And of course, you can always listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet by downloading a podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Google Play or a host of others too numerous to mention. If you have a question or comment on anything about food ingredients or this podcast or just want to say hello, drop me a line at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's all one phrase. If you think your family, friends, co-workers, or acquaintances might be interested in this podcast, tweet or post a link through your social media outlets to get the word out. Don't forget that the references provided in this podcast are available in the show notes located at the Podbean hosting website. Lastly, I have a new Facebook page that is an adjunct to the podcast a number of times per week. I post a news item related to food ingredients, processed foods, and food trends. Just search in Facebook under Food Labels Revealed Podcast. Please give it a like when you get a chance and feel free to share the posts and to add comments. I'll talk to you next month. And in the meantime, remember, if you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece for this month is a clip from Displaced Memories, composed by David Heilowitz. Thank you.